This is Sustainable Conversations on the Broomwagon, brought to you by the Broomwagon Podcast. Because despite by thinking that we are all superheroes fueled up with jelly candies and raw food, there is still a lot of pollution around the bicycle world. Stefano, aka Calamaro, and Andrea, full-time nerd, are going to talk with the champions of bicycle sustainability. Sit down, listen to it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Sustainable Conversation on the Broom Wagon. Today, we are going to dress up a bit and we're going to talk about garments and gears and, anyways, clothing on the bike, but not about style and colors and stuff. But we're going to talk about sustainability on producing it, sustainability on packing it, sustainability on repairing it, and everything that is super close to that. But before to start, I want to say thank you to everybody who supported the episode number one, who sent me and Andrea good feedback about it, and who just listened to it. And don't forget that in order to have a bit more support on your side, it would be awesome if you just share or just comment or like or subscribe to the channel. This is a thing that would help me, us, everybody to climb up a bit the charts and being a bit more present there and visible and listenable. If you want to send any other feedback or just message, hello at calamaro.cc is the classic email of this podcast. Otherwise, just look for me, calamaro.cc, on Instagram or Andrea underscore Malacarne. So today we are going to talk with Oli. Oli Pepper is the founder of Overland, Morvelo and Circular Inc. All these companies are really involved into the bicycle world and in the garment side of it. And they are, since a bit of years actually, they are really into the sustainability part. We talked with him and we got great conversations about also some new projects. Listen till the end and you will listen to everything and everything is going to be pretty exciting. Okay, uh, sustainable conversation on the broom wagon. We are here this time the three of us in three different places, and we are going to talk about garments, right? So we're going to talk about cycling, gears, and stuff like this, because we are here together with Oli of Morvelo. It's not only Morvelo, right, Oli? There is also something else that you're doing, something a bit more adventurous. Uh, well, yeah, there's a few different things. Well, Morvelo is the main one. Uh, Over- Overland is uh, the... The brand we started two years ago that's a bit more aimed at gravel bikes and bike packing and slightly more sustainable focused, a bit more multifunctional. Uh, and then Circular Inc. is um, a whole uh, kind of different business, but looking at the looking at uh, not cycling based, but looking at the clothing industry as a whole and whether yeah what what needs to change you know how can a model be changed from the linear you know uh extract make and throw away model and trying to bring it around so that clothing and at the end of its life can be recycled and made into new clothing really that's you know not just cushion fillings and you know, floor tiles but actually made into other clothing so Oh, that's awesome. Actually, this was something that I didn't know because for sure, Overland, everything started for me on knowing your brands with Overland and then for sure it came more velo straight away. But I didn't, how did you call the last concept of, yeah, the last line? I don't know how to call it. 
Yeah, the what the last one, what circular ink? Circular ink, okay. It's yeah, awesome. so kind of cir- circular is in circular economy, and then ink, short for um, incorporated. So the, the the idea being that it kind of uh, rather than ink is in uh, you know painting ink, drawing ink, uh, ink is in it. It's all sides of the circular economy. So design, um, repair, reselling upcycling uh and recycling so you know but it's a it's a real it's uh embryonic you know it's in its very early stages so you know but it does but it does filter across the things i learned there filter across into more value perfect yeah. that's awesome so we're talking about sustainability again and uh, in our sustainable talks in the broom wagon so i think that andrea should be really happy about that what do you think andrea are you happy with our guest today yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually super interested on, on like, in general, uh, you know, like, how garment, garments are made. So, I mean, I, I would like to own a lot of things. Uh, so, I, I'd rather buy a few things that last longer. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, this is kind of, you know, like, at least my approach of maybe, you know, like, I could learn something else about it. That's perfect. So, yeah, Oli, we are all happy having you as a guest today in our conversations. And anyways, if we would not have been happy, we would have told you. So we are pretty open on these things. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. No, but jokes aside, um, maybe we can start in the classic way. Can you give us... You said already a lot, but can you give us a short intro about yourself, your work, your companies, everything? Yeah, so Morbello, it's been in 12 years. We're still a small business, um, five people, um, self-funded. So we don't have any investors or um, anyone else. It's just myself and my business partner, Dave Marker, who, you know, we, it was the two of us who found the business and, started with t-shirts you know i was always i was into racing bikes um mountain bikes at that point 24 hour racing uh but i had <clears throat> i had raced bmx when i was uh in the 80s as a child and then uh cross-country mountain bikes and then downhill in early 2000s and you know and needless to say if you know like anyone who likes bikes you kind of you know, then get into road bikes and then cross bikes and track bikes. And, you know, so that's, that's the reason we have the whole motto ride. Everything is because, um, it's, it's not a marketing ploy. It's because we, you know, we believe it and we do it. So, um, everyone here, you know, we kind of ride to work and ride different bikes and it's not, we see ourselves as cyclists, you know, not don't see ourselves as a mountain biker or a, track rider or cross rider it's just pretty much <clears throat> that's a great bike you know want to ride it so that really informs everything we do we come at Morvello with it's a you know it's a it's a heart business i think they call it you know where it's not we didn't set out with a business plan and go right we're gonna you know we're gonna do this and we're gonna grow this much a year and you know then we're gonna sell it to this company and grow it more you know there was none of that at all it was just um Started with some T-shirts because that's an easy way for us to get our both myself and Dave are graphic designers, and we used to design for action sports brands like O'Neill and um, 
And so we just were doing these designs for the surfing and snowboarding skate industry. And we just thought, but we're bike riders and we thought, well, we should do that for those type of designs, but for the cycling market. So we did t-shirts to start with, sold them to some friends. The money we took from that, you know, we just made more t-shirts and then I was racing bikes. So I needed some Lycra clothing to wear. So we designed some Lycra clothing, some kits, uh, sold it to friends, you know, by which point friends are starting to accumulate a lot of different Morvello clothing now. But <laughs> And then we just, um, yeah, it, it pretty much has just grown ever since, you know. So if I was racing and I needed a, a gilet rather than buy a, an, another brand gilet, I would we'd design one ourselves. And so that's what then got me interested in fabrics and fit. And, you know, because I was just riding and racing a lot. So I'd be thinking, well, actually, maybe this could be a bit different. And, you know, and then I started to go to trade fairs where it's just fabric only trade fairs and, you know, look at different fabrics and which was, you know, I'm not trained in as a sportswear designer, but I have a passion for cycling and I kind of want to make stuff that works well. So, so that kind of, yeah, it's like an accident. We call it an accidental business. It's kind of, it's just, you know expanded as and when we've needed products um but yeah but we're still we're, we're actually happy to stay small we we actually intent in fact we're intentionally making it a bit smaller actually um to do with sustainability it's um you know i know this goes off topic but it's kind of the reason we're going smaller is because as a small business you get you know, lots of messages about growth, how growth's great, you know, let's grow this much a year, let's, you know, get to a million, two million, whatever it is, you know, sell it, get investors, grow. And we we have been through those kind of queries, you know. We have gone through those stages, like four years ago, we're thinking, do we get an investor, do we grow it, you know. Whereas probably hand in hand with looking at sustainability, we just went, well, actually, what, why do we need to grow you know can we in fact actually make ourselves smaller but more profitable so can we make and sell less clothing but get out of that whole habit of constantly offering discounts and you know you you get easily drawn into this um false i guess um security that your turnover is going up and you're selling more and more stuff, but then you're making less and less profit until you're, you're having to turn over a lot to make a little. And then that really, you know, then you have overstock and then you have too much stock. Then you have to go into the sale. And then, so it fuels a whole, um, it, I don't know, it encourages waste. You know, you you just, you're, you're making more stuff than you need to. Um, so, yeah, we're intentionally going the other way, which is sounds probably really contradictory for for a business to kind of go. Well, actually, we you know we need people to buy less stuff. So, um, but that's where we're going anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty pretty interesting, and I liked a couple of points that you put on the table. I think we're going to talk about them, but just to start the conversation, um, I like the point that you said we are really working hard to be small and to be sustainable and independent. I remember that I was reading your um, on your website, on your blog, and you were talking about bootstrap. 
So really be there for the things that you need to do without scaling to do, let's say, scaling and being big just to earn less because your point is not get a living out of it, but growing. And that's awesome as a concept. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, the bootstrap thing is, you know, because it's, we, I don't know, we, I think we've, we came close, you know, say four years ago, we we're expanding quite a lot. You know, we we're adding more products to the range. You know, we're trying to be essentially like a big brand with a small brand budget. Um, you know, we threw a lot more money into marketing and, you know, before you know it, you've racked up all these overheads and then you have to just keep making stuff to try and cover your overheads. But then, so we just kind of really in the last two years and certainly in the last year, we just, intentionally went well what what's what's the basis if we cut a lot of overheads and this is now why we're in our own warehouse you know to become a bit more like a startup mentality a bit like when we started really 12 years ago so you become more uh nimble and adaptable so being in our own warehouse and it's not a huge warehouse it's quite small but then we we've worked hard to change the way we produce clothing. So now we don't do seasonal collections. We just do, we have a core range that we're launching this, this in, well, in a month's time. And that just stays in stock. It's not, we don't, there's no rush to sell through it. It's not like it gets replaced in um, six months time. And, you know, we've got to launch another new range and all that previous range goes into a sale it's this becomes a range that we stay in stock we kind of can fine-tune the products as they develop um as well so we can kind of constantly evolve and improve it and we arranged or kind of worked hard with our suppliers to to do um weekly and monthly um replenishment so we're not buying loads of stock that we have to sit on that we have to sell we just, it's almost like on demand. It's kind of like, well, actually we're, I don't know, selling a lot of bib tights in winter. You know, we might buy some more just to top those up. But when it gets to spring and summer, we, you know, don't need to make them. So we can be a bit more adaptable with how we approach our stock levels. And and that helps because we're in our own warehouse and we can monitor things. And um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's all, it's become a bit of a central focus, really. You know, we're, ex- we're exploring a lot with um, packaging at the moment. Uh-huh. I think that's one of the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, you go ahead, because I'll, I'll end up just talking nonstop. <laughs> no, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. So I just want to start then from the beginning. Um, and we're going to talk also about the stock and everything. But from starting from now, into my mind, uh, there is something that in the environmental committing, some topics that are really, um, really there on the ground, the basic of everything. And we're talking about recycling, replanting, and sustainable production. Maybe we can put it in another order. Recycling, sustainable production, and, uh, and then replanting. Do you think we are covering everything with that? Or do you think we are missing something? And which one is your approach on the three phases of it? Yeah, so it's the, the recycling 
the recycling one is a hard one at the moment i think because it's i don't in our kind of research i'm not sure the recycling companies i guess uh are quite at a stage to well some are but they're not quite at a stage where they can take back the the clothing and recycle it into something that can then be used as um you know more uh usable products so there is recycling there at the moment that can take products and they can mash them all up and you know like i said create um stuffing for sofas or cushions but it's still it still means the fabric the textiles are, are degrading you know you don't it's still it's still ultimately probably going to go to landfill you know after the sofa's been you know dismantled what happens with the stuffing you know um so we have been in contact with a lot of different companies some of which are just have in recycling companies that take investment that are looking at um mechanical and chemical recycling yeah chemicals bad for the environment yeah mechanical is, is fine but you because a lot of modern clothing especially sports clothing is a blend of fabrics you know maybe elastane and polyesters it, the jersey's better because it can just be plain polyester but on shorts quite often a blend and to recycle a blended textile is um is awkward so you kind of need a chemical to help uh, separate out the different components um and then the mechanical to then recycle the the, the leftover parts so it's the recycling part is is a challenge at the moment but one we're you know looking into um i guess i forgot what the other points were <laughs> if no, you can remind I'm talking me about, yeah of course no worries i be we were talking about sustainable production yeah this is another point and then something like replanting so something like how to replace this production that is not completely sustainable and something like to get rid at least a bit of the um, carbon footprint with some replanting of trees but we can talk about anything else so these are the three main points but we can still talk about i don't know repairing of stuff fixing stuff there are so yeah. many points on that so i think because because we're looking at you know i um i think the term sustainability can be a bit um like misleading sometimes i think it can kind of cover a lot of kind of you know greenwashing or kind of cover it can be very vague you know so well actually probably on the surface of it someone might look at Morvello and go you know we say we're well actually we don't say we're sustainable because we're not at the moment but we want to be but people might go yes we're sustainable because we're using recycled fabrics or fabrics made from bottles and it's great that's a good step but it's but it's, it needs to be more than that, I think. And this is why I looked at the, the circular economy, which is probably something that is less um, familiar to consumers. It's kind of something that's probably a bit more industry-led. So consumers hear about sustainability, but they don't really necessarily hear about the circular economy. And the circular economy is where it's all parts of the process. So you, you design something with the end goal is it can be taken apart easily and it's constructed in a way that can be easily recycled back into things that can actually be used. You so, know, wait a second, I, if I interrupt you here, sorry. So you are telling me that in order to have the perfect recyclable item, 
you need to produce it in order to be recyclable. You cannot recycle everything, but you can recycle better anything that is made to be recyclable. That's what you mean. Yeah. So, I mean, you could, you know, you can recycle, well, you can recycle clothing at the moment, but it will just be mashed up and made into, you know, um, yeah, floor tiles or cushion covered, you know, insides of cushions or maybe or, or sofas or something that's not, you know, ultimately that desirable. So you can still recycle at the moment. But I think to be truly sustainable, you know, the, the fabric, yes, would be recycled. But when it's, you know, it's being used by the consumer, maybe it's come to its end of life, you know, so it's been crashed or maybe it's just worn out. The consumer then needs to be able to give it back to the, this is where I'm thinking, give it back to the brand and then the brand recycles it in a way that is um, with a recycling partner that then can go back into making the yarns for new clothing. That's that's the holy grail. You know? Yeah, I, makes sense. I don't think anything's quite there yet. So, but I think it is important to note that um, it's, uh, I think I read somewhere, it's not like you can just switch off the current system find a new ideal way of working and then turn on that one and just of operate course. in that way. Of course. Yes. Yeah. So it has to be a bit of a, an evolution. So yes, using recycled fabrics to start with is good, a good first step. Um, yeah. But, but ultimately you kind of, you need to probably design in a way that, you know, could you use, for example, uh, soluble thread on the clothing? So then when that, clothing comes back to you because to unpick all the threads and to you know takes a long time and it's not commercially viable um so could you do something using a soluble thread that can that when, when you boil it the thread comes out and you're left with all the different bits of fabric that then you know you can send off to be recycled and you don't have to you know you can take out the zips and you know pockets and the reflective tabs and you know um so yeah, it's that's where we're thinking with it anyway. Yeah, are you already moving on this direction? Uh, we are. Yeah, it takes it, it takes time. I mean, we're only just at the point of I think from the customer level when they look at Morvello, you know, they'll start to see that we're we're beginning to use recycled fabrics, and and they might then uh, say, well, there's lots of other brands who are using recycled fabrics, so. The reason we haven't moved all our products to recycled fabrics is because we still have fabric already made. There's there's still rolls of fabric that have been made that, you know, we could just move all our products to re be recycled, but then we've got all these fabrics that have already been made. They've already, you know, the carbon footprint is already there. So actually, if we made all our products from re recycled now, we're kind of doubling up on the fabrics. So it's better for us to use up the fabrics we have um, than it is to um, ditch those fabrics and move to recycled. So that's the type of thinking we we're coming at sustainability. It's not just a straightforward, let's make it from recycled and, you know, we're suddenly sustainable. It's kind of, I think sustainability can be in a lot of different ways, even if it is, you know, so we are looking at starting ranges that intentionally use up, redundant stock from fabric mills so you know so and it's all we're just at that the starting process i think over 2021 
you should see Morvello with um, lots lots of these initiatives coming through. Because if you spend the last two years looking into them, and it just takes that time to of course to actually do them, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Something that I really, really appreciate from your website. I mean, it reflects from one to the other. Is that you are taking track of everything that you are doing month over month on the sustainability topic, and everything that you are doing, something like moving on your production to be a bit more sustainable, the replanting of the trees, I, um, as we are saying. And I think that this is another point of sustainability, being transparent, know, letting know everybody how you're producing stuff, where you're producing stuff, till where, until uh, at which point you can arrive in your production and where you cannot reach the most sustainable way, then do something else in order to be more sustainable. And I think that that's awesome. That's really, really, really awesome. As I was saying, being transparent is on the right path for sustainability. Yeah, we, we wanted to, you know, because I think the reason we did it is because we thought, <clears throat> okay, we're, <clears throat> we're a small brand and there's lots of small brands in the, in the cycling world or in the world in general. You know, there's, there's more small brands than there is big companies. So, but looking at cycling, we wanted to think, well, if we can and be really honest that we weren't bothered about sustainability up until, say, two, three years ago. Okay. And then because we, we were just all about the cycling, the clothing, design, growing the brand. Um, and the reason we changed it was because, well, I think you hear it from lots of different sources, as I'm sure you do, so from the press from industry a little bit but i get it even from my children and my niece and nephew you know my niece my nephew was kind of saying that he's, he's nine years old and he's telling me about how the clothing industry is one of the worst polluters um, oh wow you know and so you think and then my daughter's you know secondary school age and you know she sees a lot about the or the you know the damage um excessive consumption causes on the world so I'm get, i get it from a lot of different sources and i think that's uh that's kind of what caused the change say three years ago and continues to kind of fuel that change but then um yeah it's just we just wanted to document it because we wanted to to, to be transparent you know and and also in a, in a way hopefully that maybe other brands can then do the same and it can you know, if we can be more a collaborative approach, because we all need to change. It's no good Morvello just becoming sustainable and no one else in the cycle industry becoming sustainable. It needs to be, and it needs to happen at a pace as well. That's the other thing. So by being open and frank about it um, and, you know, sharing opinions and resources, hopefully we can change, change faster. You know, so that's, that's the idea really. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'm going to ask you another thing, and then I will let also Andrea talk because it seems like I'm talking by myself. I feel super guilty. It happens all the time like this, by the way. Um, another thing that I loved watching and checking on your website and, yeah, surfing there is seeing that you don't have tons of products on your website. I'm talking about Morvelo and talking about the Overland. Um, you have some 
awesome things that are one different to the other and actually you like to keep and to know which one is the difference between them and thinking about the shorts for example the overland shorts you have different ones and you are really happy to explain what you need to take and why so there are not so many things and actually from one season to the other you are not changing all the stock all the time the things that work they are staying there and uh, they're going to keep being there and being good for the people that want to use it. And probably they're going to get better thanks to the experience of the people by using them and yourself as well. Um, that's not actually a thing that you are doing this in order to have something like something controllable in terms of production and sustainability of production, but also of shipping, selling and uh, not polluting because people that have already a pair of shorts of uh, or a bib of uh, Morvelo, a pair of shorts of Overlands, they're going to keep them till it's not going to be completely wasted. And then they can buy another one because they found it really good. And this is actually on the both sides. This is having a small stock and having a small portfolio means that you can really take care about optimizing the production. And also on the other side, you don't need to launch a new color of a t-shirt, a new color of um, I don't know, a jersey or whatever every single year and you don't need to own it. So you don't have to push into the market new things and then be putting in the bin the other things. I don't know if you yeah. uh, you got the point. It was a bit confused, but yeah, that's what I mean. <coughs> no, no, it's definitely, yeah, that's that's entirely where we're going with it. It's, you know, we, you know, by, by going away from seasonal collections and we just, we just have a, I kind of, I guess, because we always built Morvello with a strong graphical design identity. So, for our jerseys, for example, we don't have, you know, we've got we've got two different models: a standard jersey and an end series. And the end series is like the race one, but you know, the, the standard jersey is <clears throat> the one we sell most of, and it's the same jersey, just different designs. You know, because it's. I, I guess it's kind of understanding customers. I think customers come to us because of they want something different from the usual mainstream brands and and the difference comes more because you know over the years we've just fine-tuned our standard jersey to something that we're really happy you know with and the fit and changing some sleeve you know the sleeves to be like raw cut and just tinker with it and then once we get it right we don't really feel the need to yeah change it and then the customer's get used you know they're, they're used to the the jersey so if they bought one jersey now and another one in two years it's going to be broadly the same because it's just a you know maybe some slight tweaks but small evolution of it to, um but also i mean we have made the mistake in the past of putting more clothing in you know we did things like um short sleeve rain jerseys you know for like racing i, I really loved them actually but you know we sold hardly any of them but they were i, I thought they were really good we still got some in the like one one or two old stock because we've moved all our stock into our own warehouse we're kind of finding these products that we haven't had for you know five years um so we did we did go that way of expanding the range and then we've yeah increasingly really whittle it down you know don't do seasonal ranges and, and we we are trialing this more with the overland so when the overland launched it was intentionally non-seasonal. It's just like we're not we're not bringing out a new range of long sleeve shirts. Um, yeah, well, we'll do new designs, but probably after these ones have sold out, oh. or maybe we'll just keep these ones in stock. You know, we just kind of 
we we yeah we just being a bit more fluid i think is you know with is the approach we're taking um but then we're just about to also install four sewing machines um in our warehouse so that's another reason we moved to the to our own warehouse so we could have the space to to put these sewing machines in and then we can start to offer repairs you know and to which is which is a key one really because like you you said earlier on that you know there needs to be and, and and brands do do this already like larger brands you know there needs to be a focus on keeping things in use you know it's already been made so and we've got we used to get returns you know sometimes it's a zip that's broken or a thread that's come loose and you know and it's frustrating you know for the customer and it's frustrating for us because it's fundamentally still a good product and yes it's still being made it's still the carbon footprint for that product is already there so the best case is to repair it and then then that's good as well from both sides you know we as a company we there's less waste um and actually we have to make less clothing and from the customer side they get well looked after and think oh that's good i've got more velo jersey and i know that i can send it back to them get it fixed you know so it's like we've got their back basically you know we can kind of make sure that we take care of them and that's the way it should be especially for a you know a small brand like ours where do you produce your clothes? Uh, where in the well, Philippines is the main one. Right. So we used to get if them I made. Send a, if I send you like my broken jersey to you, what, what yeah. Do you so, uh, so yeah, if you had a broken jersey, then we would we would fix it in Brighton in the UK, and then we'd ship it back out. So I mean, we have a really good relationship with our suppliers. So our supplier is. They also have a. We initially started using them in Poland. They have a Polish um, factory as well, um, and we also always, when we started, had our clothing made in Poland. So the Philippines operation is a way of um, it just being more more efficient. It's the same company, but just in the Philippines, and it's and because quite often the fa- you know the fabric well depending where it comes from can be like you know taiwan or china or it can be european fabric still so the shorts still use you know mitty fabric from italy so there's still a logistical issue there you know you're still getting the fabric and it's got to go to the philippines it's got to come back you know to to our warehouse um so we're working on ways around that but yeah that's why we're open about it because we're not we haven't got things sorted completely um but yeah from the repair side it's all all in the uk so um and i think if it becomes a more technical repair then we can still get it repaired in poland um actually if it was for australian customers then actually maybe it'd be better to get it repaired in the philippines because it's you know easier for it, for it to get to them so yeah so this is what we're kind of looking at is that we the logistics of where the clothing sold to and where it can be sent back from, you know. So, yeah. like I said, it's not it's not a simple process. <laughs> I just yeah. want to ask you one single question, then I will really let you talk a bit more, Andrea. Sorry, um, you are talking about repairing. I I want to go a bit really in the technical operational side on that. How does it work? Or how do you think it's going to work in the future? I'm buying one of your I don't know one of your iconic base layers and talking about overland 
I'm buying one of those, I have a crash or something happened to them, I don't know. I actually make a mess by uh, while cleaning it. I send it to you and how does it work? You will fix it for me for free. I need to pay something. I need to pay the shipping. I don't have to pay anything. What's your idea on that? Why I'm asking you that? Because this is going to be really the crucial point of getting my item repaired for the mass production and for the mass uh, selling, of course. Uh, why I need to send it to you if I need to pay for it? And if I buy a new one, probably I'm going to just spend a few bucks more, but it's going to be a new thing. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's a challenge. I mean, the, the repair, so the repair would be free. So that's, you know, we... Um, because we hopefully launch it next month, you know, if we can. So the idea is probably that the customer pays for the postage to come back to us. We repair it for free and we cover the postage to send it back to the customer. Um, the repair itself, you know, it's going to be probably dependent on what happens to the, the clothing. You know, if it's um, stitching that's come loose, uh, or unpicked, you know, then that's a relatively simple repair. If a zip's broken, you know, that's more time-consuming but still fixable, so that's still fine. Um, and also, we'll be getting the zips and the threads and everything, and the and the the fabrics will all come from our suppliers. So it won't be like you have uh, different, you know, different. Say the base layer, for example and you've got the mesh, it's not like we've sourced the mesh from the UK and it's going to be at odds with it. It'll be, it'll be we're, we're getting um, small pieces of fabric from our supplier, you know, or from the, the fabric mills to come over so they can be um, better, you know, they can fit into products a bit better. Um, but if, if something's torn, you know, I think we might start a bit more of a dialogue with the, with the customer. So, because it will be for free. the repair will be for free. I think that's really important to do because it's got to be, it's got to be cost effective for the customer. The customer's got to think, well, actually, I could spend, I don't know, whatever it would be, say three euros, three pounds, whatever, four pounds, sending the product back. But then that product is that. That's all I'll pay, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the product will be fixed and it'll come back to me, and I can keep riding. Um, because like you said, if you don't make it, I think the thing about the whole sustainability thing is it's got to be from a customer point of view. There's no good us just being preachy about it. And hopefully people are going to come and buy products from us, you know, because you know, it's got to be, it's got to be a, a benefit for the consumer, you know? So, um, and that could be changing things as well. Like the, you know, the, the business model of like, do you, do you do, you know, rental services or subscription services? So the customer, when the product's worn out, maybe they, maybe they buy the jersey, but they buy, well, they don't buy it. They, they, they have a subscription and that you give them the jersey and they're paying, say, whatever it might be, £10 a month or, you know, €13, Euros, €15 Euros a month. Um, but as part of that, they can, it always gets fixed. If there's a problem, it gets fixed. If it can... If it doesn't need replacing, we replace it and they get a new one and then we deal with the recycling. We deal with the, what happens to that jersey. Um, 
so I think down the line there needs to be I think brands need to look a little bit um, at alternative ways of sell- selling things or renting things I think that's that's what needs to change I think at the moment it's kind of like it's easier to buy something new and throw away the old one and you, we need to make it really um, attractive and desirable from the consumer to not do that yeah. so that's a, that's a challenge yeah, 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 makes sense. And actually, this seems like is the direction where sport is going. Talking about one of your competitors, I think that subscription model model was kicked off by Isadore some months yeah. ago. Another Swiss company uh, on the running shoes or whatever. They're also going oh, on this yes. direction as well. Yeah. You're talking about this as well. So yeah, seems like this is a direction where, at least in the sport industry, everybody's going. Yeah. In this way, probably we can get something of a better quality without owning it because really owning it probably is not the point and then company themselves they can reuse clean re give to people and recycle things and yeah yeah makes sense yeah so i mean that that's um um yeah coming back to the subscription model because then that thing then that opens up some questions around, okay, well, if we had a jersey back from someone and, you know, we've given them a new jersey, now we've got this kind of older jersey with us. So then we're thinking, well, actually, that then opens up the discussion with, okay, so how how do we clean that jersey? Repairing it's relatively straightforward because we'd have the components like zips or threads needed to fix it. But then you think, okay, so how how's that, um jersey cleaned how's that product cleaned um and also then how do you then sell that back on you know to a a different consumer and it for it still to be desirable so that's where this um i guess the whole term re-commerce comes in and i think that's also what we're looking at is is that essentially selling of secondhand goods of clothing it's kind of but it needs to be, and it's happening. It's it's happening already. You know, in mainstream, um, a few mainstream brands like H M M are trialing it, and Adidas are trying it on a smaller scale. But that that system of where someone, I mean, this actually isn't subscription. This is actually still buying it. But the person can buy the product, and then they can, if they choose to, they can sell it back to the brand, and they can get another product. And then the brand deals with that clothing and that clothing then goes on to a bit like the patagonia worn wear you know it goes on to their kind of secondhand uh store but it's kind of you don't quite picture this secondhand that's the thing it needs to appeal to the consumer as something that's actually desirable it's like you know restored or you know or i think where patagonia do yeah, with the, with the worn wear, is they make it desirable for it to look a little bit kind of used. It's kind of got a bit, you know. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you also have to consider that to do that, you have to use more chemicals to actually, you know, wash it, like you know, uh, make it make it wearable again. Right? Yeah, that's. So, I mean, that's actually. I mean, it's that. It's it's a tricky bit, right? I mean, uh, you know, like I mean, with all this stuff about sustainability you always have to kind of you know have kind of a sensational thing uh, about you know it, it's it's kind of 
you have to draw a line at a certain point in which you say, okay, I do this stuff till a certain point because otherwise, you know, you're just moving the problem somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, it's... Of course, if, if you would use like the same amount of chemical wash something rather than repairing it. Yeah, it's 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 definitely there's not there's not a yeah a simple way through it. So actually, like you were saying about the the, the washing, you know, so that that started us. I spent a lot of lockdown looking at um, you know laundry washing solution. Yeah, how how can we wash your clothing and what is a good a good way of doing it? You know, because if if you wash it, then there's there's water, there's the you know detergent, the cleaning, there's the drying. You know, so. You know, we've been um, looking at options where it can be, there's a few different um, options kind of looking at cleaning without water or without heat. You know, can you, can it, can it be cleaned in a way that is um, really efficient, but, but low environmental impact, but you know, you are right. It's like everything does have an impact and it's, we're not going to be perfect. It's kind of, it's just doing it. I think it's just doing it in stages, yeah. Yeah, it takes a long time, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, actually, speaking about chemicals, like how, so I, I, I had like, like this crazy thing, right? So I, I have some, uh, I have some uh, garments, like t-shirts and stuff, that they tend to smell more than, than other garments. Right now, my personal thinking on this is that whatever chemical they use to either making it softer or I don't know, making of a certain color uh, could actually be the reason why you have you have the bad smell, right? So, uh, if it's this the reason. How bad is normally the coloring of, of the garments? Like the dyeing of a garment, is it, is it actually, can be actually harmful for, for the people who wear it? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, dyed, dyed fabric, you know, the, yeah, the dyeing of the fabric uh, can be. So if you're, it's a bit different with, uh, say, sublimated say jerseys for example so because that's a it's a white fabric um and essentially they kind of that that's um created by you know printing out almost like using like a huge desktop printer you know you print out and it's you know it uses you know it uses um yeah paper and then that paper is laid on top of the white fabric and then it goes through essentially a very hot roller and it gets sealed into the the fabric so there's no i guess a good thing with sublimation is that there's no dyeing involved you know so you have the paper usage uh but then our supplier reuses the paper so after they've used it for printing um they reuse that paper in the cutting department for layering between the fabrics for when they're cut um then after they've used it a second time then it goes to to be recycled so it's sublimation is i think but then it uses a lot of heat you know it's energy intensive to get the, the, the heat so it's kind of yeah it's a it's it's yeah it's um 
it's hard to find the ideal solution. So I guess with the dyes itself, the dyeing of the fabric, um, yeah, that is something where I guess we, you know, we do have, we use kind of mitty fabric for the shorts. So that's, um, that, I mean, they, they're kind of, well, you know, if it, if it's blue signed approved, like I say, our selector shorts for Overland, um, then, you know, that, that's kind of a sign that the, the fabric mill has to go through the checks to make sure there's not harmful chemicals used. Um, and it, it's got to adhere by certain kind of principles. And it's something where we're increasingly interested in. I'm just, I just get, the more I get into this whole sustainability circular economy um, area, the more I just want to keep digging deeper. So you know, find out like like you were saying like you in order to be then be really transparent so you're not hiding anything because i don't know without so if, if a fabric's blue blue side sign approved then i'm taking their word for it that that's you know okay which i'm sure i've got no reason to doubt it's not but i kind of want to know myself yeah <laughs> and that course. and that just requires more more research but you know that's it's become a bit of a it's become it's almost like a, it sounds a bit trivial when i say it but like a new hobby to me it's just like it's kind of like i discovered this whole new thing and i just want to kind of keep on reading more about it and learning more and you know and that informs and the decisions we do with Morvello and overland and you know um and circular ink well, you know the other the other business really um i say business it's not up and running but it, it tackles a lot of the problems that we're talking about here so or say tackles it hopefully aims to be a solution that can help brands make a change so yeah cool i think that andrea has something to ask you about a particular item i am pretty fascinating about your shorts but i think that andrea found something different there yeah uh so you have a you have a fully recyclable rain jacket. Oh, yes. Yeah. How does that work? Okay, so this is, well, it's not, it's not, this has been a lot, yeah, it's still in development. Yeah, hopefully it'll be, uh, long, I hope, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's taken a while um, because just when you think you solve one problem, you discover five more. So um, I thought at a certain point you were saying, this is absolutely a secret. I'm not going to tell you anything, guys. Oh, but yeah. No, no. Um, there's no, yeah. In the, you know, I'm happy telling you about it, definitely. But the idea, the idea with the jacket is, is to kind of, we kind of see it as a way of us uh, putting into practice all the things we've been talking about, really. Um, so the jacket is designed and it's designed in a way to use um so it's re it's from recycled fabric and it can be recycled as well so it's a pure it's a pure um polyester fabric so it can all the trim all the zips um anything used on it can be recycled and it it can it's been designed in a way that we only use components that they can all be recycled together and maintain its purity when it's recycled. So um, it's also been 
um, designed really tiny little things like using the least amount of seam tape as possible. We tried to find ways of not using seam tape. You know, do we use bonding? You know, but the seam tape is, you know, we're working, it's not just us doing it, we're working with partners. Uh, Sympatex is a, is a German company that's where the fabric comes from. It's going to be made in Croatia. Again, trying to find fabrics and suppliers um, who have the same vision as, as us. So Sympatex are a great one because they're involved in the um, wear-to-wear collection and clothing uh, and fabric companies that, and recycling companies that um, are all focused on the circular economy. So, so yeah, the jacket's aimed to – it's designed in a way that can also um, be repaired easily by us. Um, the idea being that actually it's probably going to be – maybe some people can buy it, but primarily a rental model. So we're looking at dealing with it as we would do uh, a car. You know, So you, if, you, if you have this jacket, it would come back to us for like a yearly service. So it would get reproofed, you know, not using, you know, using PFC free, um, DWR, um, and seam tape fixed, you know, repairs made. Um, it also, um, looking at tagging information within the garment. So it shows what fabric it's been made from, where it's been made, where the trims come from. It's almost got its, uh, you know, uh, actually, car- carbon DNA. I would love to add, right? Like, yeah. a rental rain jacket. Yeah. Like, so I have like I have a rain jacket uh, that I just throw away, threw away uh, a few weeks ago. So that thing went through everything, right? And I tried to repair all this, you know, the the the, the, the seams and everything, you know, with the, with the special glue, and then uh, you know, but. Uh, there is always that one time that ends up in your laundry, with, you know, uh, and you, you wash it wrong, and it starts to leak water somewhere. Then you have to reproof it, and you don't know what this reproofing is. It's probably like the most chemical shit ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then and, you know, like the, the seam comes loose, and then you have to glue it again. And this glue is probably, you know, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, to, to keep it very long, uh, I mean, I, I, I do have another one from, from, a, from another brand now, and I absolutely made sure that actually could be repaired. Yeah, and I think, I think really it should be, the idea with the, this jacket is we take away the uh, responsibility from the consumer, you know, because we, we think it should be, it should be the brand who takes care of the product so so say like you were you were saying that your jacket you know kind of worn out and now you need to throw it away you know or recycle it but we think there should be systems in place where actually that jacket then you can send that back to the brand and the brand will upcycle it or dispose of it recycle it in in an an appropriate way you know so and be transparent about it so then they know you know yeah i actually contact them like what do I do now? Right? You know, like it's not that bad, right? But but it's not good either. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I live in Switzerland, so it, it does rain a lot. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, you're from UK, so yeah, so yeah, you yeah, don't really def- <laughs> definitely familiar about. with rain. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, here it's probably colder, but that doesn't matter really. Uh, yeah, I try to contact them. Like, you know, I have this thing. Doesn't look that bad. I I don't want to fix it anymore. Uh, what do I do? Uh, they actually never answer me. So. It's, it's it's a hard one because it takes you know I think well like I'm discovering it takes it takes time and money and effort and at the moment it's easier not to do these things so a lot of companies don't do it you know or but the, the idea with this rain jacket um, the remix is that it it takes that duty away from the customer so the customer can just go great I'm renting the jacket or even they've bought the jacket and I know that. Uh, I can send it back to um, Overland and they will fix it. They'll reproof it appropriately. Um, and if it can't be fixed, you know, they'll either upcycle the fabrics or they'll recycle the, the, the remaining fabrics, but they'll recycle it in a way that goes into making new rain jackets. That's, that's where we're trying to close the loop. So the idea is that these jackets if you took them all and you recycled them, they can make more rain jackets of the same. So it's kind of like our, what we call our halo product. We're trying to tie together all these different streams of thoughts of how we can, from fabrics to recycling to, to rental models or subscription and, and put it together in, in one, in one product and, you know, see how it goes. Um, but it's yeah, it's taken a, it's, it takes a lockdown didn't happen didn't really help things um, of course, but it's it's taken quite yeah, some I mean, time. It's, it's like if you want to be you know like if you start to dig into security, internet security, and you really want to be secure, right? At the end, you, you end up throwing your laptop from, from the window, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You have to accept like a certain certain amount of you know, but. Actually, one thing that actually completely blew my mind blew my mind was when I figured out that actually Gore-Tex uh, does membranes for automotive business as well. So actually, one thing I mean, probably I don't, I'm not sure you, you can actually answer this, but probably not. But uh, can can actually the the, the jacket be recycled or upcycled to, to be used as a membrane for 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 anything else like yeah it's, it's a really interesting point you mentioned actually because we we're just talking about that literally this week in Morvello. we were kind of because <laughs> we were we were looking at it wasn't actually our um this is part of because circular ink is the same people involved in Morvello and overland really so it was like a circular ink day and we were looking at these rain jackets that come back from another brand because one of the directors in circular ink has designed clothing for other brands before in the past. And so, you know, over the years he had some and the fabric's really good. Um, and you're thinking, you know, and he was saying, well, this was like, you know, Japanese fabric is, you know, the, the product, you know, a bit like your, your rain jacket didn't quite have, yeah, the tape was going, it started to let in water. The same was 
it was with this rain jacket and we were thinking but it's just like you know there's a lot of good components here that have value and then that's what we were thinking yeah we we're thinking well actually maybe because we were initially thinking could we cut it up and upcycle it into a new rain jacket you know create new products from old products but then we were thinking well actually maybe we're just thinking a bit too you know bike bags in so, yeah bike bags <laughs> or a little bit like you said outside of cycling completely could turn out that yeah actually maybe can you can it yeah i don't know membrane to fit the, the diesel whatever yeah or just you know can it go into another industry or ideally like another industry that is then trying to follow you know circular economy principles too yeah i don't know maybe it can go into an electric something to do with electric cars or but something yeah something where you you know i think it needs that level of just you know take the rule book tear it up and think right let's just you know so we've been saying at work like what happens if because i think lockdown when someone went right you've all got to work from home you can't go out you know, it's almost unheard of, you know, suddenly like, you're right, you can't fly, you can't do anything. And, you know, the world had to accept it. Um, so we've kind of used that lockdown principle of imagine if you just went, right, there's no more fabric. You're not allowed to produce any more fabric. All the fabric mills are shut, you know. Um, so how do you, how would we create products, you know, because people still want to buy clothing. So, it's we're trying I mean, to if everyone is locked down you, you can basically leave out of underwear like <laughs> yeah <laughs> sweatpants just, just a nice shirt for just, yeah just shuffle <laughs> around nice in shirt shirt. For, you know like business space and you know yeah all like they're saying the whole lockdown things it's all it's all waste up isn't it waste up fashion yeah, they were yeah. saying because everyone's on calls like this and so no one can see what's, what's down here absolutely yeah, exactly. i remember i am wearing trousers, trousers by the way yeah <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Anyways, the the thing that makes you more comfortable is the best for us. No ways. You can also be just with your, I don't know, uh, uh, hiking boots, but still underwear sitting on your chair. It's fine for us. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, Oli, I have a question that actually we still didn't touch base on. How do you deal with the packaging? We all know that packaging is the worst thing. There are some brands actually that I was buying and something that, I don't know, they're bringing you stuff into, I don't know, carton boxes or recycle, recyclable and recycled carbon boxes. But most of the people that are selling you things, and I'm talking about garments, I'm talking about uh, jerseys and gears and stuff, as well as components of the bike, as well the bikes itself, itself usually is a plastic bag and 98% of the time is a plastic bag brand new and fresh that usually you take and you put it in your bin i try to upcycle it something like i don't know i put inside the shoes a couple of times in my trips or i don't know uh, dirty clothes or um, all the greasy stuff that they take out from my bike but most of the times you're just receiving tons of these plastic bags and then you just trash it straight away how do you deal with it yeah that that's been a that's been a big one too and um yeah we made the we made a step, when was it? Two, yeah, about two years ago, moving to biodegradable bags, which it's not ideal. It, we, we knew at the time it wasn't ideal because it's still plastic, you know, and then there's an argument that it biodegrades into microplastics. So, but we're aware that it wasn't ideal, but it was a step in the right direction. Um, 
and then we you know changed our you know the mailing bags to paper you know so the bags we put all our clothing in to send out to customers are in in paper so easily recycled um but we have been looking into it uh over the last well the last year but now we're in our own warehouse uh, more uh, i guess have more opportunity to do it so we've looked at a few different things so we're looking at a way of the clothing itself um can you um well actually we're looking at doing a we're getting an exclusive jersey on morevelo.com so limited run you know 50 pieces um but instead of using plastic bags we're going to uh fold it roll it and wrap it um i say wrap it tie it with uh raffia tape so it's kind of non non plastic tape like a kind of papery type tape yeah um and you know well we don't know how it's going to go you know because um it's we you know we're not the first to, to do that i think prana the, the climbing brand have uh, done something similar we saw what they'd done and thinking well let's try it let's you know let's see how it goes so it's a small run so we're going to see we're going to test how it goes it's going to come over we so it's been made in the philippines so they'll be rolling that we've given them an instructional video we try different tying and rolling techniques and we threw them around the warehouse to see if they held together um come up with a good way of of um of rolling it we still need to use a plastic bag to put all the jerseys in because it, it because the couriers a package coming from the from anywhere really <laughs> just gets kicked around by delivery and courier companies and quite often the cardboard box it comes in can get damaged and you don't want to damage the the clothing inside so it will be one plastic bag but one plastic bag that covers all the products um so the individual products don't have plastic um but then we looked at the cardboard as well so the cardboard box these jerseys are going to come in um to make sure they don't unravel the cardboard box then needs to be smaller to, to squeeze the jerseys in so they don't so that's well good in the way it's using less cardboard and then using um reinforced paper tape around the box rather than plastic tape um and then again we're looking for a way of um if you're shipping a lot of products and it's on a pallet or you've got several cartons it, they use uh you know pallet wrap it's a big load of plastic you just basically wrap around the boxes to hold all the boxes together um so we're trying to find ways to remove that we're going to trial this one with biodegradable plastic wrap um but then we've also looked at um there's potential developments about using uh there's a i think there might be a kind of a reinforced paper type version that might come out next year Uh, or even using like ghost ghost fishing nets as well oh wow Um, so, I mean, that's on the bigger box side, but on the individual product side, yeah, we, we, we try and rolling them, but then also we've just come across a company that does um, paper, uh, paper bags for clothing, but they're kind of, they're made under really high pressure. So they still, um, they still retain integrity. They don't, you know, they're a bit tough. They won't just tear and rip like a normal paper bag. Um, and, but they're fully, um they're fully they're not recycled they have to be made from virgin pulp you know but the company who makes them um they're forestry commission certified and the company who makes them is um 
the banks themselves are kind of carbon neutral. Um, so they do they do offset some of their carbon emissions. And I know there's lots of talk about offsetting is not ideal. You know, it's not a way of just kind of going, you know, like some airlines might just go, oh, well, you know, we're just offsetting all these flights, you know. But I think it is still important to do. So the bags are made from virgin paper, but they can be recycled and, and also easy to recycle because I get um, deliveries from companies at home and I get them in a in a – it could be in a compostable bag or a biodegradable bag or a the bag, this bag can be recycled. But my local recycling in Brighton doesn't recycle bags like this. So – so I have to I have to throw it out. I just uh, even if I wanted to recycle it, I can't recycle it. And in the UK, especially, plastics recycling outside of the bottles. You know, bottles is fine, but the the you know the, the bags just doesn't really happen. Whereas if we were to give customer our customers a paper bag, papers you know everyone everyone recycles paper. It's it's a straightforward thing for people to do. Certainly in the UK, you know that lags behind a lot of other countries about recycling, but it's a straightforward thing to do. So if we can do it in paper, then um, then that's a good thing. So we're looking at, yeah, trialing the paper bags, trialing the, the rolling. The rolling one will happen in October, the paper bags probably November, uh, just to try on a few products, see how it goes. Um, and then we're also about to trial a system with a company called Repack, um, who this is for the, the the big mailing bags that go out with all your with your order in. Um, so at the moment we use paper bags, which is great, but you know the paper still needs to be made. There's still a carbon footprint associated with the paper. Still needs to chop down trees and still needs to be recycled. So Repack uh, have come up with this idea that their bag is um, you almost rent. You almost like rent the bag. So we buy the bag from them. The customer can opt to have their order shipped in this bag. Uh, the bag is really robust. It's kind of um, it's kind of made out of kind of like I guess recycled plastics essentially. So it's weatherproof. It's very hard wearing. When a customer gets the order, they can uh, send that bag back to repack. Um, free of charge you know they just um put them put the 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 address on it um free and just it, it post it back and they get rewarded with a um a discount off all the repacks other brands they work with um and then repack check the bag make sure it's okay repair it and then they then it goes back into another delivery that goes out to another you know uh repack customer brand customer so the idea with repack is it keeps packaging in circulation for longer, you know, so you don't need to recycle. You don't need to keep on recycling the bags that your products are shipped in. You can. So, yeah, there's, there's you know, so you can, you can tell we've been thinking a lot about it, you know, because it's just we really are looking at every single side of the business to, you know, trial, try different things, see how they go, see how the customers react. Um, but it's all things that are just about to start, you know, it's kind of like lockdown delayed things, but it's all things that you'll be seeing over the next, you know, um, six months or so, 12 months is should be quite, yeah, 
it's kind of exciting. I, I really enjoy it. I really, I'm just determined to make a change. You know, it has to happen. That's super cool. Uh, I just want to, so I have the wrapping, talking about packaging, the wrapping question, but you already answered to a lot of those. I don't know, probably first of going to the wrapping question, do we have another question, Andrea, maybe? We are missing something. Uh, no, not really. So yeah, the wrapping question is, what's next? You told us a lot about that already. You're talking about packaging, <laughs> how you're moving on packaging. Um, your business model moving into not selling things, but something like renting things so you can take track of it. You were talking about how you reduce your portfolio and actually the production and everything. There's anything else that you can see on the future of Morvelo, Overland, and uh, yes, everything like this that is going in the direction of sustainability. I mean, for now, I think that pretty much, you know, it's is kind of covered most of our thinking. Um, actually, there is one side, you know, the one, the upcycling of products is something where I'm really, you know, because there is, I read a, um, a statistic the other day that it's under 1% of textiles is upcycled. So that means not, not just making clothing by cutting up fabrics, but that's also, you know, five uh, textiles that go in to be recycled that then become recycled fabrics used by brands. So there's not, what it says is there's a lot of textiles and fabrics out there already to use. So we're looking to partner, um, Brighton University, University of Sussex, are two, the two universities that are near our warehouse. Um, and trying to work with the universities and the graduates to look at upcycling of products. So can we, I don't know, take um, redundant, you know, damaged jerseys, shorts, uh, shirts, jackets, can we cut them up, design new products from them, uh, whether that's a new cycle clothing product or can it be, um, I guess, like we are saying, like a, I don't know, a bike packing bag or can they be used for, for mitts, for gloves or, but find ways of using all these fabrics that are out there at the moment and making them um, attractive to the consumer. It can't look too, it, it needs to look like a really good product that someone wants to buy. So, I don't think anyone's kind of quite there yet. I mean, North Face and Carhartt are, you know, doing similar things uh, and, and Patagonia, you know. Um, so brands are starting to look at upcycling and they are trialing it. But I think that's the, I think the upcycling part of it is a really key thing to, for us to focus on. But it's, but it's a very daunting thing to focus on too. But, but, yeah, hopefully once we've got our sewing machines downstairs, we can start to play around with these things and you know, try them. So. Yeah, Oli, really, thanks a lot. And sorry if you saw me around distracted at a certain point, but the point is that you were talking about so many things and so sorry. many cool things. No, 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 that's the best part. So many cool things and talking about, for example, the repacking company, you were talking about all this part and then your boxes, the wrapping thing, the special jersey that you're going out with. And I was trying to keep track of what you were saying because everything you're really doing, something like you said, you started this, pro uh, this process three years ago. 
more or less. And then you are moving yeah. on the on this direction that I think is the right one so fast that is super fascinating on knowing how cool can be and how sustainable and now we can really make cycling a bit more sustainable than it really is at the moment and that's great you need a lot of effort but still yeah. the right the direction is the one that give you gives you i don't know satisfaction and kind of fulfills your soul on doing stuff yeah definitely definitely yeah it's got to feel you know now now i know about you know the damage and you know i can't i just can't continue as normal you know so yeah and i just kind of and the cycling you know i just yeah i just want to well hopefully hopefully you know if other small brand owners hear the podcast and you know if they can you know because i was inspired to make the change like probably a lot of people are by brands like patagonia you know but they're big brands and i think there's there's lots of really cool brands in the certainly in the outdoors industry who do these yeah you know, so i think but being a cyclist and we all you know we all love bikes you know we want it to happen in the cycle industry as well you know needs to be needs to kind of like you know bikes are great fun and we just need to find a sustainable way of you know us all kind of wearing the clothing to ride in them yeah and also on the other side we all love the outdoors and even if i know that somebody's doing it i think that we are not gonna enjoy anything like uh, cross races into pile of garbage or of plastic or stuff like this i know that you can do that but actually i think that all of us will enjoy a bit more some a bit more natural environments to ride our bikes yeah. instead of i don't know pile of waste yeah definitely yeah i agree i agree <laughs> cool guys cool ollie it was great pleasure to talk to you today and thanks and there for popping out with uh, amazing topics and uh, stuff and actually to be kind of really the soul of this concept of talking with people that are really changing the way that we can see sustainability in cycling thanks uh, thanks a lot and i think that we all now are gonna keep track of which one is gonna be the development of morvelo overland and sorry because but i forgot i signed it here and circular ink yeah <laughs> great yeah my pleasure but yeah thank, thanks for having me part of it it's a it's been a pleasure <laughs> thank you thank you I really hope you enjoyed our conversation with Oli as much as we did. And uh, yeah, I hope actually that you're going to have a closer eye on what you're going to buy in the future. Not only changing clothing just because they change color and then just use them for some rides out and then not use them anymore and just drop them away and whatever. Just keep in mind that some garments are better if they are used and also maybe repaired. That's the only thing that I can tell you. Apart from that, I just want to make another shout out. You know that there is somewhere in the internet also this association, I can probably call it like this. Anyways, I'm talking about shift cycling culture. I also had Leanne some time ago on my podcast on the Broom Wagon. Well, they are really sensible on these uh, kind of topics and conversation. Actually, everything is, is based on that. And now they are also baking an amazing podcast that is going to be also some conversation with people that are involved in the bike business and they are also inside of the sustainability uh, yeah the sustainability game this podcast is gonna be presented by cam bloomer from envy and crema cycles and all these kind of things i think you all know it in the internet and they're gonna be pretty pretty cool 
They're gonna come really soon, so keep an eye on their Instagram account, Shift Cycling Culture. But also keep an eye on our communication channels. And I'm talking about Calamaro Sisi, that's my Instagram account, and Andrea underscore Malacarne, Andrea Swan. And don't forget to share this episode with all your friends and as well, rate it, subscribe, uh, give some stars over there, comment if you want, whatever you can do, because it's going to be cool if we are going to climb a bit more the charts of Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, everybody's podcasts. Nothing else, and just keep an eye on what is coming on, and I will talk to you next week, people. Ciao.